Park. Approximately 11,500 film and television writers represented by the Writers Guild of America are striking after failing to reach an agreement with um, certain motion picture and television producers. We want to talk about the details of this. What are the issues and what are the ramifications for your favorite television programs and movies? With us to discuss it is Brant Penvidic. He is an award-winning film director, veteran television producer, sales presentation coach. He's everything. Top-rated podcast host and columnist for Forbes. He has been named uh, to the Hollywood Reporter's 30 Most Powerful Reality TV Sellers uh, and the author of national bestseller, The Three-Minute Rule. Brant, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. So let's talk about who actually is on strike. What, who is covered and who is not? So it's all professional writers in this sort of scripted space. So anybody who's in the WGA and operates under the guild is now sort of subject to the strike order so so this is not news writers though people who write for the news and reporters and things like that correct that's correct yeah only only wga members and so that's basically professional writers in these sort of scripted theatrical um long form content generally that's the writers in that in the entertainment field so this, I mean, I'm asking this because I just, I don't know anything about how this works. But if you are, if you are a writer, must you be in the guild? And in order to work in writing, whether it's reality shows or writing for uh, Saturday Night Live or writing for Game of Thrones, whatever it is, do you, must you be in the guild to get hired to do that kind of work? Um, yes and no. You have to be hired, you have to be in the guild to get work on the shows that are fall under the guild's purview. So if it's a quote-unquote union show, then you have to be in the writer's union to write on that show. There are lots of shows and interesting projects that go non-union and don't fall under that guild, so people can write for those shows. But for the most part, those are all reality shows or you know documentary films or other kind of small projects. Any major production in Hollywood, for the most part, is going to end up going through the guild. And why are certain projects union and certain projects aren't. I suppose that's much like union shops in Chicago. There are certain places that sell, you know, that only yeah. have union workers, et cetera. Is it just political pressure in order to, you know, make sure that union people are paid correctly? Is that how it works? Yeah, that's how it works. So the big studios and the big funders have been the target of the unions to keep them in the guild. So, you know, Sony or Lionsgate or any Paramount or any of the big studios and production houses, all their shows, 100%, end up going in. What are the disputed issues with the writers? What what are the, the bullet point of, of issues that they have um, in, in their work? So the, the big piece is that the production studios and funders and networks want to pay writers in a piecemeal format for as little as they possibly can to get the most work out of them as, as a business does. So they're looking at it as, in a, in a very literal sense, I want to hire you for four days to write this particular project or to do rewrites or whatever that is. I want to hire the minimum number of people for the minimum number of hours and get as much as I can. The writers are so in, the, in the mode of sticking to as this is a career and they don't want to be paid piece, you know, they don't want to be paid in a gig economy. They want to be paid more like employees where you have certain amount of numbers, hours that you have to guarantee somebody, certain number of size in a writer's room that you have to have X number of guild writers if you're going to do a show like this. So they're, they're basically trying to hold on to the sort of the past lucrative side of what their business is. And because writers have so much power and the creativity 
is at such a high level, that's where the, the real struggle is because you can't replace them. That's that's the big problem for the dude. You just can't replace the writers. Well, like Saturday Night Live doesn't write itself, right? I mean, you know, that's right. it, it's, it's just it, it doesn't matter how long you look or where you go or how big the world gets. The entire world of Hollywood entertainment is based on a few people who can write at that level. It's incredibly difficult to do. And I've heard this being bantered around, and I'm not sure I understand the issue, that streaming has caused problems. That What, what, what does that mean when I hear the Writers Guild people talking about streaming changing the way they're paid? Yeah, well, traditionally, sort of the dawn of television, you know, reruns and syndications were where you know, a large portion of the money was made. So you get paid to write a show, the show would go on the air, the show would do well, and they'd make a bunch of episodes, and then they would run those episodes for, you know, Seinfeld and Friends and all these shows run. And every time they run, these residuals get paid to the writers and the staff that were on that show. So that was part of your living. That was part of how you your life as a writer. Well, once the streaming networks like Netflix and the others came up alive, it changed the way they did that because Netflix is like, well, we don't have reruns. We, we'll pay you one time. We'll use the show as much as we want, and then that'll be the end of it. And so in the beginning, it didn't seem all that threatening, and there wasn't that much to it. And Netflix did pay a little bit more up front. So it was like, okay, now every single network is streaming. And so that idea of the residuals is effectively gone away in its practicality, but nobody wants to let that go in reality. Yeah. So what is going to happen in the interim? This is not the first time the Writers Guild has has had a strike and, and you know, using the past as, uh, you know, the future. What What is going to happen in this interim period? Like, are, are, if the writers are not writing, then what happens? So with the writers not writing now, there's no production going on today. Now, you won't see that as a consumer of entertainment for six months more likely when, when you actually, when the shows they were filming right now would normally be getting ready to go on the air or into the theaters, you know, it could be six to nine to 12 months to 18 months away. But there are certain shows, the late night television shows with Jimmy Kimmel's and the Jimmy Fallon's that are sort of halted right now. So they definitely have lost their audience for the moment. I think that, you know, 15 years ago when the writers went on strike, it birthed the reality TV industry because people needed to find other entertainment and the studios needed to find other ways to deliver that. And I think in this particular moment, what neither side wants to do is birth another form of entertainment because it will likely be in the social media world or a Ah. platform that has nothing to do with TV and television. So the risk here is so much greater than it was 15 years ago. There are so many other places to find entertainment that the writers going on strike, forcing people to go do that is a very dangerous uh, area to be in as in the studios and the networks, you know, not sort of working with the writers to get the right deal in a timely fashion could put them at high risk as well. I have two quick questions because I'm already late, but I want to ask you, you are, you know, a, a reality show seller. So why the proliferation of reality shows? How did that, I mean, I know this documentaries have been written about it, but in, in a nutshell, if you were just to capture it in a couple sentences, why did we now have all these reality shows? I think it's just unique, unique storytelling. You know, entertainment in its core is about storytelling. And reality originally was, you know, a form of high stakes storytelling where the 
actual events that went on right in front of you not being predetermined created real stakes, much like the way, you know, sporting events mm. tend to make people want to watch. It's like reality had a very similar element to that where you were watching real people do real things with real stakes involved. I think that's really where it came from. Interesting. And Three Minute Rule, the Three Minute Rule is your book. Everyone go out and buy it. It's on yeah. Amazon. What is it about? Uh, it's about how to pitch or present anything uh, in your business to anybody else in three minutes or less. <laughs> well, you did that quickly. <laughs> Brant, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this is Brant uh, Pindavik, and thank you so much. And uh, we'll t- maybe tune in again when uh, when the strike ends, and we'll see how, how everything settles. I really appreciate you joining me today on WGN. Anytime. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.